Well, we are in the middle of uh, Advent season, and as you, if you've been here the last couple of weeks, you know that we have uh, lit two candles already. The first candle was the uh, candle of uh, the prophecy candle, the prophet's candle, and uh, it really symbolized that that coming hope that is ours in Jesus Christ. Last week we lit the Mary and Joseph candle, which uh, really spoke of the coming uh, of the promise to to Joseph and Mary of the coming of Christ. And today we light the pink candle. This is the candle of hope, and it's the shepherd's candle. It's the candle that really symbolizes the announcement of the angels concerning um, the birth of the Savior, Jesus Christ. And what's interesting is that we are at, in the center of the Advent season. We've lit two candles. We've got two more candles after this week. Uh, and so think about it. The hope is found in Jesus Christ. That ought to be the center of our lives, right? That's what Christmas is really all about. Father, thank you that you are meeting with us this morning. Uh, you have proclaimed that where your name goes forth, there you are. And so we say thank you for your presence. Remind us today more and more and more what it means that Jesus Christ came into this world to save sinners among whom we are. And uh, we say thank you for that. Speak to our hearts this morning. In your name we pray. Ever. Amen. Do you ever wish that you could find just the right word for your situation? The right word that maybe you could speak into the turmoil of your life or of your family. Maybe the right word for your business or for your job. Um, maybe it would be the right word that you could speak for our nation or for our world in, in these days. Maybe, maybe it's a word of hope or a word of courage, or a word of forgiveness, or a word of love, or, or maybe a word of peace. Well, I have a word from God for you today. And uh, we're going to look and, at that word and really find in it the hope that we need as we've talked about the, uh, lighting the hope candle. It's just the kind of word that every one of us need to hear. You know, when Jesus uh, was born, probably the most important words about the birth of Jesus are words that are found not in Matthew's gospel and not in Luke's gospel, but maybe the most important words about the birth of Christ are really found in the gospel of John. In John chapter 1 and verse 1, John tells us this, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And then when you skip on down to verse 14, it says this, And the Word became flesh, and dwelt among us. Uh, listen for a moment to the way that the message paraphrase uh, translates that verse 14. It says, The Word became flesh and blood and moved into our neighborhood. Don't you really love that? I mean, think about it. When, when God decided to come to earth, He moved into our world. He moved into our neighborhood. He came into our existence. He came in to experience the kind of life that you and I experience. But not only that, He came to show us the kind of life that He wants for us to experience in a relationship with Him. And this really is the crux of Christmas. I mean, Jesus coming, God Himself coming, taking on flesh and, and becoming human. I mean, here is God reconciling us to Himself by becoming one of us. 
um, you know, the only way that Jesus could die for us is for him to become one of us, that he might die to take our punishment, the penalty of our sins upon himself. Second Corinthians 519 says this, for God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, no longer counting people's sins against them. So here is Jesus Christ. He's, he's the eternal word. He's God's self-expression. And he's, <coughs> excuse me, and he's taking on flesh and blood. He's becoming one of us. And he's revealing to us the fullness of God. So the word became flesh, John tells us, and dwelt among us. And uh, so what we're talking about today is really history's most important word. And that is the word Emmanuel. See, that's one of the names that Scripture gives to Jesus Christ, that He is Emmanuel, which means God with us. So look, look at Matthew chapter 1, verse 22 and 23. It says, All of this occurred to fulfill the Lord's message through His prophets. Look, the virgin will conceive a child, and she will give birth to a son, and they will call Him <coughs> excuse me, Emmanuel, which means God is with us. Now, Think with me for a moment. God is with us. I, I think when we hear that phrase, for many of us, we are just so familiar with that phrase, so accustomed to hearing that phrase, that we probably never stop and really think about what does it mean. Um, but folks, that's the best message of hope that's ever been given. Those are the greatest words of news that have ever been, have ever been shared. Uh, that God is with you. I mean, sorry, Bette Mittler, but God is not at a distance looking down on us, okay? No, God is not distant. He's not disconnected from us. He's not disinterested in us. No, He is with us. See, Jesus proves that God is for you. I mean, how could God make it any clearer then He would come down to this earth and take on flesh and blood to become one of us and dwell among us. So He is with you. Folks, He's with you in your pain. He's with you in your heartache. He's with you in your confusion. He's with you in your questions. He's even with you in your doubts. He's not here just to commiserate with you and feel miserable with you. Not at all. He's with you to lift you out of your brokenness and out of your despair and put you on the pathway to show you what life really ought to be like, the kind of life that He has designed for you. In fact, Jesus said this in John 10.10. He says, I have come that they might have life and have it to the full. Now, he's not just talking about eternal life in heaven when he says that. No, he's talking about life right here on this earth. He's come to give us a full life, the fullness of life. So God is with you. God is on your side. God knows your name. In fact, the Bible tells us that our name is written in the palm of God's hand. Do you ever think about the fact that you're a tattoo on God's hand? Isn't that incredible? He loves you. He is for you. Um, he is with you. Folks, God is not against you. He's not out to get you. And yet at the same time, He is out to get you. Because He loves you. He wants you to be a part of His forever family. Uh, why else would God do for us? what He did by coming to this earth and taking on flesh and blood and dying on a cross to show us how much He loved us and how much we mean to Him. See, the heart of Christmas is simply this. 
God is with you. And, and you don't have to be perfect. You don't have to do something special. No, it's Emmanuel. God is with us. So the Word became flesh and, and dwelt among us. You know, most of us have heard the account of the birth of Jesus Christ. Maybe we've seen it acted out in, in Christmas pageants. And hey, tonight we're going to act out the, the Christmas uh, story as through our living nativity that we're going to be uh, sharing with the community tonight. But I want to, we know the story, but I want to look at a couple of verses out of that story for, for us to really zoom in on what it means and the most important word uh, that we can ever know. Over in Luke chapter 2 is the story of the birth of Christ. And part of that story is the angel appearing to the shepherds. I love the fact that, that the angel made the announcement to the shepherds. He didn't go to the religious leaders, but he went to the blue-collar workers of the day, okay? And look what he says. The angel made this announcement, Luke 2.11. For today in the city of David, there has been born for you a Savior who is Christ the Lord. Those of you who have notes here, circle in your notes there the word Savior. For today there has been born for you a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And then looking at Matthew chapter 1 and verse 21, here's what God said to Joseph. He said, she shall bear a son, and he's talking about Mary, she shall bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. You might want to underline that word save. So God told Joseph to call him Jesus because he's going to save his people. The name Jesus means Savior. The name Jesus means Savior. In fact, in the Hebrew, the name Jesus or Yeshua really means Yahweh saves or God saves. And so Joseph was to call him Jesus for he will save his people. His name, folks, is the name of salvation. And it's the only name that, will, that can save. Over in Acts chapter 4 and verse 12, listen to what God's word tells us. There is salvation in no one else. God has given no other name under heaven by which we must be saved. So Jesus' name is the only name that saves us. And that's why, folks, we call Him Savior. Uh, because He saves us. Now, we use that word saved a lot. Uh, you know, is He saved? We, we talk about that a lot. What does it really mean to be saved? You know, what's he saving us from? In what way are we saved? For us to really understand that, to gain a, a real grasp of the meaning of this word saved, we need to look not only at how we understand the word saved in our context, but we also need to understand it in the context of the day in which it was spoken by the angel to, to, uh, to the shepherds and by God to, to Jesus. Uh, to think about it, you know, he, these first century people, when they heard the word Savior, what did it really mean to those shepherds? What did it really mean to, to Joseph? What did they hear when the angel said, there is a Savior coming? See, their concept of salvation as a, of a Savior was an Old Testament concept. I hope you realize they didn't have the New Testament because it hadn't been written yet, okay? Uh, so theirs was an Old Testament concept of salvation. And that Old Testament understanding of salvation 
was much broader and much bigger than our understanding of what salvation means. I, I think that we've lost some of the richness and some of the fullness of what this word salvation or saved really means. Because if you ask most followers of Jesus Christ, what does it mean to be saved? Um, they'll say, well, He saved me from my sins. Or He saved me from the judgment of God. Or He saved me from hell. And uh, those things are absolutely true. He did all of those things. And notice again here in Matthew chapter 1, verse 21, you shall call His name Jesus, for He will save His people from their sins. So, yes, He saves us from our sins. And then we could jump over to Romans chapter 5 and verse 9, where Paul wrote and he says, and since we have been made right in God's sight by the blood of Christ, He will certainly save us from God's condemnation. So we've been saved from our sin, and we've been saved from condemnation or judgment by God. And if that's all that salvation meant, then it's still more than we could ever have expected. And we will spend eternity saying thank you to God, and that won't be long enough for what He's done for us. But folks, what I want you to know is that salvation is much more than just about forgiveness. It's much more about than about just eternal life. It's about the side effects of sin and the brokenness in life right now. So look again, what did it mean in the Old Testament days when they talked about salvation, the salvation of God? What did they understand? Well, when they talked about being saved in the Old Testament, for them it meant to be relieved from something that was constraining or confining or constricting. It meant to give you room to breathe. It meant to, to turn your scarcity into sufficiency and to bring freedom and relief from something that was distressing you. So in that first century world, here were God's people and they were looking for that kind of Savior, somebody to relieve them from pressure and from the stress of the day, from the pressure of life, and, and to turn their scarcity into sufficiency. So think about the, the New Testament world what it was like in that day when the angel made this announcement to the shepherds. Um, and as we look at that day and time, one of the things we're going to find is that it's going to be very similar to our day and time as well. First of all, Jesus came in days of oppression. Jesus came in days of oppression. They were days of oppression because the Roman government had occupied Israel for generations to this point. And God's people had no control whatsoever over their destiny. Uh, Rome ruled. And so they were living under the heavy hand of, of the Roman government. They were oppressed. They had no freedom. So they were looking for freedom. They were looking for deliverance. But second, Jesus also came in days of despair. Days of despair. Uh, days of despair because the days of Israel's glory was behind them. And all the people were left with were memories that were fading away day after day. And they became more distant. They became more vague. They became more doubtful. I mean, the people were asking, has God really loved us? Uh, why isn't He taking care of us anymore? Uh, does that mean He's not going to care for us in the future? And so as they tried to look at the future... All they could see was things were going to be the same. 
over and over again. And some had given up hope. You know, they were, they were saying, you know, life has been like this for so many years, and I guess this is the way life's going to be from now on. I mean, this is the way it was with my father, and it was the way it was with his father, and his father before him. So I don't think things are ever going to change in my life. This is how life's going to be. And they had no hope. There were days of despair. And then third, he came in days of silence. Jesus came in days of silence. Folks, there hadn't been a prophet in Israel for 400 years before Christ came. You know, throughout the Old Testament, we read that God spoke to his people. He was continually bringing them words of hope and words of challenge and words of of, uh, judgment and correction and of the future. And yet here is God and he has been silent for 400 years. There were no words of hope. There were no messages from God at all. And so some people thought that maybe God had left them because after all, it's been 400 years and we haven't heard from him. And and maybe the most frightening part for them at that point in time was that if God hadn't spoken to them in 400 years, what makes us think he's even listening to us now? Um, If he's not speaking to us, why would we even bother to pray to him? Because he's probably not listening. And so it was in these days that God spoke to Joseph and Mary by the angel. It was in those days that God spoke through the shepherds. It was in those days of oppression and of despair and of silence that the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, entered into our experience, became one of us and lived among us. It was in those days that God sent a Savior. Before we go any further, let me ask you a question. Have you ever been in those days? You know, those days when the pressure in your life is just so intense that you feel like I can't even breathe because of what's going on in my life. Have you had a day of despair? We just felt like giving up, that things were never, ever going to change in your life, that nothing's ever going to get better. And maybe you just felt like, it's, I just ought to quit. Have you ever had one of those days when it seems like God hasn't talked to you for 400 years? And you wonder, does He even see me? Does He know me? Does He even care about me? Is He listening? Are my prayers just hitting a, a blank ceiling and falling back to the ground? If that describes you, You need a word from God. So are you ready for Jesus to move into your life in a brand new way? See, God has just the right word for you. Because God sent His word in the flesh in those days of oppression and despair and silence. And and a Savior was born. And, And just as God said to the shepherds, He says to you today, unto you a Savior is born. He is Christ the King. See, Jesus has come to save you in every sense of that word. Salvation is not just the forgiveness of your sins. It also deals with the effect of that sin in your life. So let me unpack that for us real quickly. How does Jesus save us? How does He save us? Well, first of all, Jesus gives me a fresh start with God. Jesus gives me a fresh start with God. Do you feel like sometimes you need a fresh start with God? Um, If so, then God says to you, 
Unto you is born a Savior. He is Christ the Lord. He will wipe your slate clean. And He will let you start life all over again. He can forgive your sins and He can give you assurance that you will spend eternity with Him in heaven. Look at 2 Corinthians 5.17. This means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone. A new life has begun. Jesus gives us a fresh start with God. And then look at this promise in Hebrews chapter 8 and verse 12. And I will forgive their wickedness and I will never again remember their sins. Folks, God doesn't remember your sins. You don't have to remember them either. Think about that. See, Jesus saves you by giving you a fresh start. You can start all over again. And then second, when Jesus saves us, Jesus gives me room to breathe. He gives me room to breathe. I mean, do you ever find yourself, I'm in a tight spot here, you know? I'm stressed out. I'm anxious. It feels like maybe the very breath is being squeezed out of me. To you, God says, unto you is born a Savior. He is Christ the Lord. He will relieve the pressure in your life. He'll give you room that you're looking for to breathe. He will make a way when you thought there was no way possible. He will come to your rescue. In fact, look at these words of Jesus, Matthew eleven twenty eight. Jesus said, come to me, all you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. I'll give you room to collect your strength, room to be able to get back on your feet. That's how Jesus saves us. A third thought, Jesus turns our scarcity into sufficiency. That is, He turns my not having enough into Jesus is enough. If you've run out of gas because you're facing an overwhelming challenge or you're you're just afraid that you just don't have what it takes to meet the challenge, Jesus can handle that. Have Have your resources run out? God says, unto you a Savior is born. He is Christ the Lord. He will be your sufficiency. He will meet your needs. Uh, Paul tells us this in Philippians 4.19, My God will supply all your needs according to His riches and glory in Christ Jesus. Did you catch that? He will supply all your needs. Your need for hope. Your need for courage. Your need for love. Your need for forgiveness. All of your physical needs. All of your spiritual needs. He says, My God will supply all your needs according to His riches in glory. He'll turn your scarcity into sufficiency. He'll meet those needs. He will take care of you. Count on it. And then fourth, how does Jesus save us? Jesus gives me strength to overcome. When you're running on fumes, do you sometimes feel you're just so weak, you'll never be able to get through it? Do you need strength to accomplish a task? Do you, do you need the power to resist some kind of temptation in your life? Do you need strength just to endure some kind of turmoil that's going on in your life? To you, God says, unto you a Savior is born. He is Christ the Lord. He'll give you the power when your strength is gone. And that's why the Bible promises us in Philippians 4.13, For I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And then fifth, God, uh, Jesus saves us by giving us freedom from distress. 
He gives to us freedom from distress. Uh, when it seems like you can't go on, you can't catch a break, when you're just ready to chuck it all, God says to you, unto you a Savior is born. He is Christ the Lord. He'll bring freedom to you from your distress. He'll bring hope for your despair. He'll bring light into your darkness. Listen to what the Apostle Paul wrote about the darkness in his life and how through Jesus Christ he was going to find the freedom from that distress. He said this in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, beginning of verse 8. We were crushed and overwhelmed beyond our ability to endure. And we thought we would never live through it. Have you ever been there? Yeah. Look at verse 9. In fact, we expected to die, but as a result, we stopped relying on ourselves and learned to rely only on God who raised the dead. And He did rescue us from mortal danger, and He will rescue us again. We have placed our confidence in Him, and He will continue to rescue us. God has just the right word for you. Um, and I'm going to give you the most important word of all, okay? What that word really is. Are you ready? The most important word is the word Jesus. It's the word Jesus. Now, I know that sounds like a Sunday school answer, okay? You know, when I worked for our Lifeway, our, our publishing house, we used to say to our writers, don't write Sunday school questions where you can answer yes, no, or Jesus. Don't do that. Ask thought-provoking questions, okay? But you know what? Sometimes Sunday school gets it right because the answer really is Jesus to all the problems that we have. He is God with us. He is the Word made flesh. Jesus is Emmanuel in all the sense that it, that it means. You know, in the Word Jesus, we find forgiveness. In Jesus, we find hope. In Jesus, we find healing. In Jesus, we find restoration. We find forgiveness of our sins. We find the assurance of eternal life. We find the fullness of life right here on earth. In Jesus, we find the Savior in every sense of the Word. And He will save you in, in ways that um, can only be done through His power and through His divine intervention. You, can, you know, because sometimes we know that we've reached the end of ourselves. And there is no hope for, for accomplishing anything in our life through our own efforts. But it's through Jesus that He gives us the resources that we need to move on. He will be a rich store of salvation for us. He'll be an abundant, uh, abundant supply uh, or source of grace. He is accomplishing exceedingly abundantly above anything that you can imagine or even think about. Uh, you're not going to get by by the skin of your teeth. No, you'll be able to have a super abundance of God's grace and power and of His mercy and His love in your life. Why? Because Jesus is God with us. How does that sound to you? Uh, you know, does anybody here want that kind of salvation in their life today? I mean, somebody here saying, yeah, that's the kind of salvation that I really need. God has the right word for you. Unto you a Savior is born. He is Christ the King. Romans 10.13 tells us this. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. You see that? Whoever calls on His name. Why? Because there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we might be saved. Whoever calls on the name of the Lord be, will be saved. <clears throat> so what does it mean to call on the name of the Lord? 27 different times. In the Bible, we're commanded to call on my name. 
So what does that really mean? I mean, God seems to be serious about that. He said it 27 different times. What does that mean? Well, really, the phrase has two different meanings. They're both equal, and yet they're both the opposite. First of all, to call on the name of the Lord means to summon His name. It means to call Him to you, to call Him into your life, into your world, into your situation that you're facing. To call on Him means to summon Him to come to you. But the second meaning means to send His name. To send His name. It's to send it out ahead of you. Uh, So to call on the name, first of all, is to summon Him to you. And then after you summon Him as your Savior, then you send your Savior on ahead into the situation that you're facing, into the fears that are out there. So to call on the name of the Lord is to call Him to be your Savior and then to send Him forth kind of like your shield going ahead of you. Uh, it's like sending and shooting an arrow you know, into the darkness. It's like shining a light down a pathway, a dark pathway, shining a light into a room that's filled with darkness. And you're wanting that light to shine ahead of you. Jesus, I send you forth into this unknown that I'm, that I'm dreading, that I'm not sure of what's going to happen, but I'm sending you ahead of me. See, to call on the name of the Lord says, Jesus, Savior, it's dark in there, and, and I'm afraid of the dark, and I need you to save me. Save me from my fear. So send your light into my darkness, Jesus, Savior. I'm calling you into my challenge. I'm putting you into the situation that I'm facing for you to go before me and to make the way before me where there is no way that I could make on my own, but I'm sending you into there. And I know that you're going to save me. You're going to save me from my weakness and from my sorrow and from my brokenness. And yes, you're going to save me from my sins. That's why the Bible gives to us this word in Hebrews 7.25. Therefore, He is able to save completely those who come to God through Him. So folks, come. Call on His name. He's, He's the Savior in every sense of the word. Do you need a word of hope to save you right now? Do you need a word of courage to keep you from quitting? Do you need a word of peace to save you out of your chaos? Do you need a word of comfort to save you from sorrow? Do you need a word of forgiveness to save you from your sins? The word you're looking for is Jesus. He's the Savior, Emmanuel, God with us, God with you. He is the Savior in every sense of the word. The Bible says that the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. So let me ask one more important question. Is He dwelling in you? See, He's not going to dwell in you unless you've invited Him in. God is not going to force Himself into your life. But He wants you to to invite Him into your life. He waits for you to open your heart and to invite Him in. So has there ever been a time when you've opened your heart and said, Jesus, come in. Come into my life. Come into my heart. Uh, Come into my world. Save me in every sense of the word. If you've never done that, I want to give you that opportunity even this morning to open your heart and say, come in, Savior. God with me. Come in and, and save me. Give me a fresh start with God. Help me to have room to breathe. Help me to have sufficiency out of my scarcity. Help me to have all those things that we mentioned. Why not let today be a starting point in your life? 
today be the day when you are, when Jesus is born into your world, when his flesh comes into your flesh, and you're a brand new person in him. You know, you know you have a saving relationship with Jesus Christ, or whether you not, whether you don't have it, just like you know you you do or you don't have a driver's license in your wallet. You know if it's there, and you know if it's not there. And if you have doubts that Jesus is in your life, then probably he's not in your life. Because he says, I give you the assurance that all who call on the name of the Lord will be saved. So if there's any question, then here's the day today to do, to do that, to invite him into your heart. Would you just pray with me in the quietness of your own heart? Say these words to the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus, I don't understand it all. But I know that I need you. I know that I need to be saved in every sense of the word. And so as much as I know how, I offer all of myself to you. I invite you to come into my life. As God in the flesh, would you come and live in my flesh? Take up residence in me. Would you restore me to God? Would you forgive me of my sins? Give me the assurance of eternal life with you. And teach me how to live the life that you have always wanted me to live. A fullness of life that you you promised to give. So Lord, I surrender to you. I give all of my life to you. And I ask you to be my Savior today. And maybe for the rest of us, would you just pray this prayer in your heart to say, Lord, would you in this season of Christmas, would you remind me every day of what it means that you have become flesh to dwell among us that you are Emmanuel, that you are our Savior. And may we as your church, as your people, may we be people who carry the message of hope into the world around us, into the darkness that's all around us. Lord, I pray that this will truly be a season of hope and joy for each one of us as we remember the coming, the birth of Emmanuel, Jesus Christ, our Savior. And I ask all of this in Jesus' strong name. Amen.